0: I've started to really question a lot of our understandings, um, especially when I understand the cultural uh, component of humans to, to lie, to steal, to be corrupt, uh, to fall to temptation. Um, I started to think like, okay, like what if this actually was true and looking at historical context to support that. And I've looked into it a little bit and I have like some evidence, but I, I don't like if you were to ask me yes or no, I would say yes, but um, I wouldn't be able to defend it. Like it's more like faith
1: yeah like, um, like you're putting your trust into that it happening
0: yeah because it seems so true to me in this like the metaphorical symbolism sense that um like why not kind of thing where mm-hmm. like it, it, even if it's not true like if everyone lived their way in that way like non-aggression non-violence like uh there'd be so much more peace so people would get along better um but it's difficult because we have that nature in us especially yeah. when we've been like abused and aggressed upon as kids um from these groups these specific people or it could be our parents the people closest to us tend to be the ones that abuse us and, and affect us yeah. and, so, and sometimes you don't really feel that you've been abused because it's like oh i didn't like like i didn't get raped or i didn't get like beat to like uh, when i was like bleeding but there's different things that have happened to you whether it's like a friend uh, an adult especially of those of authority that impacts you more mm-hmm. um where like i think everyone um should accept their pain like everyone's pain is, is, uh, is warranted. Yeah. Um, and, and like, that's a little bit of also kind of what guided me to psychedelics where um, I, the movement, I think there's a lot of good in it. It's like healing and, and yeah. growth and enlightenment. I think there's some weird dark stuff in it when it's connected to like new age spirituality and, and some things that I, I think are um, covertly um, anti-God, anti God, uh, anti like kind of satanic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a little stretch. Um, but, uh, and I've looked into some of that stuff, but a lot of the people involved, like, they don't know anything. It's just like, yeah. like, even if, if someone is, like, a ca- like, Catholic, like, the Vatican has hidden a lot of pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Like, that person has nothing to do with it. And I think yeah. that's something we because re- that's also an a scapegoat mechanism where it's like, that person is Catholic. And the Vatican has um, abused a lot of the children. And the priests are just moved around from to, from, um, place, one, to place. place to place. And um, the Pope has known about it. He hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but that guy has nothing to do with that. He just believes in his faith and um, i think the scapegoat mechanism like to blame is everywhere and i think that's one of the biggest problems that we have as a as humanity we don't we're not introspective we don't we're not conscientious of what we do yeah
1: honestly i think that's why like i'm so into history and just learning about the past and stuff like that because like you get to see over and over that regardless like times are different the situation is different but the way humanity acts and like the way humans interact with each other is the same like we still have these same like like, I tell the hun, this shit could happen now. You know what I mean? Like, if someone was powerful enough and we didn't have all this technology or defensive weapons, like, I think shit like that can still happen, you know? And, like, it's interesting with psychedelics. Like, I actually, I'm a, I'm really into psychedelics just because it's helped me get, in, get out of really hard times. You know, for example, like, I was going through a point where I I had just been really fucking depressed. Like, I, I was like, on, like, um, I pretty much used Xanax, right? And I would abuse it. And, like, it was to the point where I, like, was literally taking multiple a day, you know what I mean? Just to kind of like feel nothing. That's my goal, to feel nothing. And then I, I remember one day I took acid and it was not on purpose. It wasn't something I meant to do like, like purposely, you know? It was just, it fell into my lap kind of like I took it late at night and it kept me up all night, you know? So I was just in my bed thinking, like thinking about everything I was doing, where my life was leading, the, the way that I lived. And it just kind of like amplified every voice that i had in my head that told me like like this isn't right you know like with the way you're living the way you're doing things now like it's just not your path it's not what you what you want to do you know so like let's get the fuck off this and then like literally right after that bro i dropped out all and like just got back to life you know what i mean like like back to normal like i got back into the gym i gained like 40 pounds just lifting weight and shit like that and then like I, i just it was such a good thing for me that like later on I even wanted to look into, like, uh, microdosing, like, mushrooms and stuff like that because, honestly, I actually have found that, like, personally, when I microdose mushrooms, I kind of, like, how do I say this, bro? Because I deal with depression. I'll say that. Like, I deal with depression constantly. So, like, I'm constantly, like, doubting myself, being a little bit negative to myself sometimes, maybe even, like, mistreating the way I speak to myself. So I have to check myself and I have to be very conscious about, like, what I say to myself and what I do and, like, every little action I do, you know? So, like, um, when it comes to microdosing, I feel like when I actually do it, I feel a lot, I just, like, those little noises are so much louder. And it makes me just be like, well, I can't do this because it's not lining up with what I want to get to. You know what I'm saying? So, I think, like, psychedelics can be used in a great, great way. If you use it the way you did the first time with, with even cannabis, you know, just use it in a way that, like, it'll promote something positive in you to grow. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So, the way I describe psychedelics, it's uh, trauma. Trauma. Where you're experiencing a difficult time, like a mm. trip, uh, like takes you everywhere in your mind, and like sometimes you experience things that seem physical, yeah, um, and it really drives you into a lot of different directions. And I think uh, depending on the personality, depending on your goals, your mindset. Uh, Going in set and setting like uh, being in like a a nice comfortable place like at home or having like a trip sitter Someone that you feel connected to yeah um, Like all of that differently like very much changes the game when it comes to psychedelics Um, So like definitely like the way I view it. It it definitely is a tool Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, it's a tool that maybe other things should be fixed first tried And then if those things don't work, it it could be a a helpful tool like I think simply like uh, changing your diet um, improving your sleeping patterns, mm. um, try to lower your stress, exercise, um, and also just feel connected with uh, those around you, like your, your friends, family, that kind of stuff. If you could t- kind of tweak a little bit of that, I think so, a lot of the times, a lot of those problems are, are like fixed, yeah. but sometimes there's heavier traumas, heavier abuses, heavier things that are just like huge weight on you that are difficult to uh, overcome. And I think something like that, uh, the way I describe it, like psychedelics, like it, the trauma part, where it's kind of like you got in a car crash but you survived yeah where at the end of it is you're so thankful that you live and your your mindset is completely changed where it's mm. like i'm gonna go to the gym i'm gonna do this xyz exactly because it's like i i kind of took life for granted yeah and i think uh a trip kind of puts you in that mindset whether it's because it was a difficult experience or all the thoughts that you had um and i think it's really fascinating i think it could be used medicinally mm. but it's something to be very careful about and yeah. uh something that people should be mindful about because like before like when I was really into psychedelics and I, like I'll, I'll just like i I, I tried ketamine LSD um, salvia um what's another word? uh Lsa which is like it, it's like LSD um it's like seed it, it's like I bought a bunch of seeds like you can buy garden seeds and mm-hmm. then you extract the L, the Lsa from it oh what the um, fuck? with a specific like tincture um so I tried that there's like one other one that I'm, I'm missing um DMT I never tried DMT Have oh. You tried it yeah Okay, how many yeah, times?
1: Um, I've done ayahuasca, and then I've done 5-MeO DMT, so like, no, 5-MeO, I'm not too sure, it's a plant-based DMT, I did that one by myself, I had bought in like a gram, I tried it like, maybe like six, seven times, and then the ayahuasca, I did like a, I went to somewhere, and like, there was a shaman there, and we had like a whole little ceremony, it was fucking dope, man, I honestly it was like, with the way I look at psychedelics sometimes, it's like how you said, like, you can adjust those little things in life, like, fix your diet, fix the way you react with people, but like, I think sometimes psychedelics gives people, that, like, the opportunity to look their life from a step back, you know? Like, they get to view it from, like, an outside view, you know? Kind of like, and, and like you said, it's a trauma where it's, like, a big event that happens. And, like, sometimes you need a big event to kind of, like, put you back into line, you know, with, like, life and stuff. Because when you're in the normal, or, like, the daily living and stuff, and if, say, you deal with depression, for example, it can get hard to be, like, I have to fix this, you know? Because because you kind of, like... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, my mom is clinically diagnosed with depression. I mm-hmm. didn't know throughout my life. Um, but, like, go, now thinking back, there's been different events where it's, like, okay, now that kind of explains what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because of that, I think, like, because, uh, like, mama, her sister also had clinical depression. And her line of family, she had, like, two people with schizophrenia. So there, there's definitely, like, a genetic component going on. But mm-hmm. also, like, uh, I think people's genetics, like, um, influence you in certain directions, but I think always, like, what is really the thing that impacts you is, like, um, nurture what you've experienced. And, like, she, okay. there's, like, a lot of different um, abuses that have happened throughout her life. Um, but, like, I, I think, like, I, I kind of dro- was driven in a direction, kind of, like, of depressive episodes at times. Um, and it's interesting because, like, we were, I think earlier you were asking about, like, me, wh- like, what got you to question things? Yeah. Like, throughout my life, I, I went through the motions, just did school, I played soccer, I spent time with family, that was it. But then, um, I went through a rough breakup, uh, and that really like kind of was like a a traumatic experience. It was Mm. like a trip where I just started questioning everything and, and, and really got me thinking about myself, my actions and that kind of stuff. Um, and that was like one big event that got me questioning a lot more. And then, uh, once, uh, I was really interested in psychedelics that like made it a bigger thing, um, Like, for me, like, uh, I think you off the podcast, you were asking me about, like, what got me to start my podcast. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so um, the day before starting my podcast, I took a tab of LSD. Mm. So I had been thinking about doing a podcast for, like, a good month, two months, and I was very kind of hesitant about it. I love podcasts, and I thought they were very helpful um, for me, and I kind of wanted to provide people with my own wisdom, and um, because I think everyone has something to share, and I think that's kind of what you were saying at the beginning, or on or off the podcast. Um, So... I was thinking about it, but I was hesitant, and then I took LSD, and that really like motivated me. The next day, I just started, um, and uh, what I learned from that, like the epiphany, was that I didn't want to just observe in life. I didn't want to just sit back, let people act around me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take action. Yeah. So then the next day, I started it. Yeah. And, yeah. And because um, like the whole time that I was under the chip or during the trip, I was just observing, thinking, and life was kind of passing me. And then like I realized like this this was helpful and it was enjoyable and it was different, but I definitely want to take action. So that was like what I really learned from that. And it drove me in this direction. And now like I I wouldn't like if someone were to ask me, well, like, should you take psychedelics? I wouldn't recommend it. Um, But I definitely think it's a tool that can be used Mm -hmm. and it can definitely help a lot of people.
1: So what's like a big, uh, with your podcast, like, um, it's not the traditional podcast. You know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like, like where you like Joe's where you just sit and talk about like, it's more, it seems subject based, right?
0: Yeah. So, uh, Cause I, I started in uh, summer 2017 and that time uh, cause like psychedelics was so important to me at the mm-hmm. time um, that I wanted to just share my wisdom and experience wisdom and just like like peace and love and that kind of stuff. That's like re-
1: that's literally, this is yeah, the same reason why yeah, I did this. Like I, I bought
0: that, <laughs> bought that so well. Uh, so, and I think there's a lot of good in that, like that mm-hmm. kind of culture. Um, and that's what kind of uh, there's a little bit of what I respect about the rave culture, that kind of culture. Um, and sometimes I think it gets co-opted and there's just like a huge kind of negative view around it. But like that kind of core value of peace and love and just like caring about people um, and, and spreading wisdom, I think is great. So I, when I started the podcast, probably the first 35 up to like 40, it was like uh, inviting people that I knew of growing up. Uh, either a friend, acquaintance, someone I saw at school, but I didn't really get to know. Just have them on the com- podcast and I want to know what their life was mm. and then back and forth conversation. And the idea was like them talking about like difficult life stories or just things that were um, important and having uh, listeners learn from them Mm -hmm. or even relate to them, like not feel alone because I think at the time, and I think to this day, I still feel this way where I think the reason why there's a lot of problems and people or why people get into depression um, or feel disconnected from reality is because they're alone, loneliness. um, They don't have someone to relate to. And I think that's why podcasts have been great. Like so many people that listen to Joe Rogan or any other big podcast, like, that are just, like, talking and then just, like, random things. Like, um, it, it's an interesting thing where they kind of feel connected to them. Yeah. They know their lives. They know who they are, what their character is, but that person doesn't know you. So, mm-hmm. it's, like, a weird relationship, but um, you feel connected, and I think that's that's important. Uh, and then eventually, like, I, I started doing, like, solo podcasts on specific topics, and I, I went on and off because uh, I, I'm a teacher. So, like, oh, okay. la- yeah, last year, I... Uh, or this past school year, I worked at a specific school that is, like, very different and matches my educational philosophy. And this, the year before that, I worked in Watts for a, a high school, a charter school. And it's, like, a very rough area. Yeah. Uh, a lot of broken families and just, like, a lot of abuse. Uh, predominantly Hispanic, but there's probably, like, a, a quarter that was black.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it, the school was located at the division of three different gangs, like, the Bloods, Crips, sure. and then this, uh, like, local gang there. Um, so, like, there was a lot of, like, uh, in-group uh, bias, and, like, there was a lot of, like, uh, like fighting in the school. Yeah, in the school, yeah. And, it, and the school was very controlling of that, so, like, you didn't see that, but, like, there was a lot of things that happened covertly that mm-hmm. were going around and that I was completely unaware of, but, like, I got really close with some of the students and they were telling me, because, um, like, the way I view education, it's, like, I shouldn't be an authority figure. Like, I should be a person, and you're another person. You're learning from me, but you have something to teach me, too. Mm. So, like, this uh, reciprocal kind of uh, relationship where... I'm not the always the teacher. I'm also the student sometimes. That's not
1: the case for a lot of teachers, right? No, I I mean that just it seems very far and few between where you get a teacher that you can relate to, as far as just like them looking at you as like a a human, you know. Because sometimes they look at you as like kid A or kid B, you know, and like it feels like they just know you by like the seat you sit in rather than like what you actually have to bring, you know, and. That's interesting that you even look at it that way, bro, that you even want to get something from them because it seems like a lot of teachers, they really don't give a fuck. So, like, as far as that goes, like, um, how do you try to, like, see their opportunity, you know, or, like, just see their side of stuff?
0: Yeah, so the school that I'm still tied to right now um, is a completely different school. So, like, I it's just completely different. And my... You, My experience there couldn't answer your question, but I'll just describe the school and then go back to uh, my original experience. So that school, it's a self-democratic, or no, uh, self-directed, yeah, uh, I'm blanking on the name, um, democratic free school where um, it's all based in democracy, direct democracy. So the students and the staff have the same say in terms of uh, staff pay, field trips, what what, uh, the school does in terms of like allocating resources. um, Everyone has the same say. And it's decided at the school meeting, which is where um, motions are put up. And it's like a motion, like a kid can have a motion, oh, like we should buy. So it's a, there's a curriculum. Like I, I guess I'll yeah. preface, preface it with this. No curriculum, no formal teaching, where kids are free to do whatever they want all day. And so it's,
1: that's your new school now?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, it's in Orange County. It's the only one in uh, California. The closest one like that is in Colorado. So like in the world, there's probably less than 30.
1: So why is it that the school is like that and, like, why is there very few?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's a private school, a nonprofit private school, and there's very few because the philosophy is completely against teaching. It's completely against our understanding of what education is, where you go to a place to be taught. Yeah. At that place, you go and you determine what you want to do. So at any given moment, there's kids uh, programming, like learning C++ or whatever it is, like coding. And then you also see a kid playing video games, like he's playing on his Switch. And then you, you see another kid reading, and then you see an, uh, another set of kids playing tag all day.
1: So, so, like, what exactly does it take for a school like that to even be open? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so uh, there's some really regulations, but in California, it's surprisingly kind of simple to get there. Um, the regulations are all about safety, essentially, like the, full, the curriculum. None of that, you, you don't really have to establish anything. Mm-hmm. All you have to prove is that you can create a curriculum if a student wants that.
1: So, like, throughout this so far, have you seen success, like, with it being the way it is rather than the other school? Well, I mean, for one, it's, uh, I'm sure, the neighborhood and, like, the way the kids live behind is a lot different, you know? Yeah. So, um like, how have you seen the success of this so far? Yeah, so uh, this school... Uh, It's philosophy is based
0: off of a school in Massachusetts. So like the hippie movement in the sixties, there was a lot of different families and it's like predominantly white hippie families that like were wanting into doing homeschooling and they didn't like a lot of the regulations around homeschooling. um, And and sometimes they didn't want to teach themselves. um, So they wanted to delegate that to uh, like an an educational institution. So this school uh, two people that came up with the school, essentially it started off like 150 to 200 students um, this big like house. It was kind of like a, a mansion, um, several rooms and each room was like a ded- dedicated, to different things, library, um, like a live, a living area, um, uh, like a, an area for like uh, arts and crafts and, you know, like just different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they started in the late sixties and their philosophy was democracy plus self-directed learning. So this is the main thing, self-directed learning. And that's where I think the only learning that val- is valuable is, is uh, undertaken voluntarily. So, like, if I, like, for example, how much of what you remember in K through 12, I mean, how much of what you learn in K through 12 do you remember right now? Like, just, like, like uh, pop quiz right now, like, ask you certain questions, the mo- majority of it, you wouldn't remember it, majority, I wouldn't remember it. A lot of that has to do with, um, like, a working memory. So, like, our minds, we have a limited amount of information we can store. Mm-hmm. So, I think we should be strategic about what we store in our head. And self-directed learning, it's really about the idea that a student can determine what they're interested in and develop skills in those areas and try to create a career out of it.
1: That's, fucking yeah. it. that's actually a really interesting take because, like, for one, in, a, in an area like this, you very rarely would see that just because I feel like parents would not be so willing to let a kid go to a school and, like, let themselves govern what they would do, you know? So that's, like, a very forward-thinking process. And, like, the only way I'm wondering is, like, so is there like any kind of like testing or anything like that and then another thing as well is like um i remember you saying well not you saying but you had said like mentioned about the book with that guy gato and he was talking about how like bells and stuff like that have been like like implemented into schools you know to kind of make you be like once you're done here you skip off to the next thing and you go there like do you guys have any bells in place or is it any different than that
0: yeah so no testing no bells no classrooms no desks like it's this oh, that's crazy this room is a room that could be at our school mm. and we have like a library we have a, a living like an, a room for like all kinds of things um and then we have another room so like it's age mixing so it's k through 12. so oh, you see shit. kids as young as five and then uh right now because uh, it's a difficult philosophy people that are like conventional like even like uh like because it's there's a huge uh, demographic difference like anyone like uh, low-income uh, black, brown There's a certain philosophy about education Especially if they're immigrant families Where it's like uh, we came here for you to get an education Yeah. And I'm paying Because like, it's tuition And we, we try to keep it very cheap um, There's some families that pay up to like uh, $10 a day To go there So uh, depending on your economic status mm-hmm. And your situation And we have like scholarships and like funds to help families But there's a lot of families that are pretty affluent And families that are that affluent um, A lot of that The reason they get their affluence is, uh, like a lot of them, like they have, they're like innovators, entrepreneurs. So that kind of mind thinks outside of the box box a lot of the time, those kinds of people. And I think like a lot of people that are on Joe Rogan are kind of like this, where school didn't work for them or like a Gary V type. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with Gary V? Yeah. Yeah. Where he, school like sucked for him and he didn't get anything out of it, but he's a brilliant mind and look at all the work and success he's done. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's so many people like that, so many students, um, but uh, I guess going back earlier, no test, no no curriculum, none of that. Um, any room uh, is just dedicated for kids to choose what they want to do in those rooms. Um, play and learning. And sometimes you see, orga- and this is the big thing, organic learning, organic play happens. Where, like, even in schools, play is structured. Yeah. PE at recess, um, there's equipment already out there for you um, a lot of the time. Or there's, like, a certain available things on campus that you can or cannot do. Um, there, like, kids can bring their own things from home. They can um, ask, like, I guess going back to the school meeting, um, put a motion, like, oh, I want kickball equipment or I want soccer equipment. And the school, um, if that gets passed, they will allocate resources for that. Uh, Yeah. So, like, anything you want as a kid, you could get that at the school. The thing is it's uh, democratically decided, so everyone has to be, uh, like, a majority vote has to rule. Um, So it's, like, very interesting. Like, people have uh, put up all kinds of motions, and some things get rejected. Like one thing, like um, there's this disciplinary kind of system we have. It's called civic sport. So it's this um, kind of a a judicial court where um, everyone over time has to participate in it, and every day we address a lot of the quote-unquote aggressions, Mm -hmm. uh, the rule violations. So like there's a law book and there's rules. Like one thing is like if someone tells you to stop, you need to stop. So if you didn't, you violated the stop rule. So then, like, um, so the the kid that got uh, aggressed upon will write uh, a form, and uh, describing what happened, who did it, um, and uh, some other details. And then every day it's addressed at this court, where every week a specific uh, set of students are a part of it, a specific set of staff are part of it, and then it's the defendant and uh, the aggressor.
1: But this is done every single day.
0: Every single day to at the, address. Is, all.
1: is it a certain point of the day where it's done, like towards the end of the uh, day? Or earlier
0: something? in the day. Uh, yeah, so, like, uh, the school is open anywhere from 8.30 to 4.30, and kids only have to be there five hours of the day, so they choose when they come. So it's, it, like, it's essentially, it's, like, we're doing whatever the kid wants, and they choose. They take agency. They take, um, yeah, like, they decide what they want for their lives, and that's what I think is really cool yeah. because, like, a kid doesn't feel competent. They don't have a lot of confidence at all of the time. There's a lot of abuse factors, um, and then also at the home, it's very structured, or at least you would like to. Like, the parents dictate how things are going to keep the child safe and also uh, establish limits that are beneficial to the student uh, or to the child. Um, But then they go to school and it's even heavier. It's more strict sometimes. Mm -hmm. So they don't ever feel free. They don't ever feel like they're human beings. They're not persons. Um, So this school flips it where, like, uh, it's encouraged to have structure at home, but then at school it's completely free. and then They're human beings.
1: So when you're going to, like, like a regular person, like how – Just, like, if I was to go to a regular school and, honestly, I sucked at math or I sucked at fucking everything else. And, like, you said, there's not much that I learned in high school or even elementary and all that shit that I can retain now. Like, most of the stuff that I really remember is about history. Because, like I said, history is one of my favorite subjects. So, when I'd go to history class, it it was, like, thankfully, like, I'm finally in history. Like, cool, I get to learn some cool shit today. You know what I mean? So, like, that's very interesting to see. But, like, how exactly, I mean, is there any way to, like make sure a kid is getting to a point you want him to get to you know as far as like academically yeah so
0: this whole philosophy like because my political ideology drove me to this school yeah um i think my political ideology like and i mentioned earlier it's non-violence mm. it's non-force it's peace so like i like uh, let's say we're friends like i could suggest like maybe you should stop smoking or yeah. like maybe you should do this do that and i can have a suggestion and you can be receptive or you could be like ah, I, don't, I don't really care about it or like tell me to fuck off or whatever and like we have an exchange. The same thing, like, um, I could suggest to students, like, oh, like, I've been doing this, and I think it's really interesting, like, maybe look into it, uh, or that kind of stuff. Suggestions, and then beyond that, I think the most important thing when it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a teacher, and an actual, like, teacher, someone who exemplifies what they they preach, which is modeling, where, like, if I want kids to read, I should probably be reading in front of them. Mm. If I want kids to treat other people with respect, I should model that behavior for them. Okay,
1: so as a teacher, when you're there, like, um... Are you more trying to, like, say, like, hey, kids, like, what do you guys want to do today? Like, let's get into this? Or do you do kind of what you said, like, huh, like, today I'm going to just play off a little bit and, like, just read and see where it goes from here?
0: Yeah, so the philosophy is pretty much laid back. It's let them have their space.
1: <laughs> that shit blows my yeah, mind, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and, like, we have parents that have enrolled their kids there, have been there for a year, two years, and they still don't get it because, and this is where like, uh, my analysis of education, there's a lot of propaganda about what education is. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the history of education, it, it was meant to uh, create factory workers and soldiers. Like if you, when you look at the Prussian history of it, and then, uh, people from the U S took that because they wanted to create a quote unquote, civilized society. And they wanted to use this, um, system of compliance and force to get to mold people, mold mm-hmm. their minds and mold their behaviors. Um, and uh, you can argue like, oh, like that's been helpful or not, but that's kind of the root of it. And in, like anything like that sounds very sinister. Mm-hmm. Um, and like anyone who really knew about that, it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't send my kids to school, these kinds of schools. Um, but uh, yeah, very laid back. Like, uh, like if I describe my day, like I get there, I open up my laptop um, and I start writing because like we do a lot of blogs and like I'll start writing some blog. And a lot of the times because kids are there and are free to do what they want, they're more confident they'll just talk to me. They'll like a five-year-old will come up to me and just like start a conversation. And it's like, it it was a huge mind blown kind of experience for me. I had this philosophy. And when I was like uh, interested in the school, I went to go visit it, but it was just, it it felt uncomfortable. Like you see kids just doing whatever they want all day. Like my mom and she's still, cause she doesn't get it. uh, She like, Oh, you're just uh, a daycare person. Like you're just caring (laughs) taking care of kids. Like you're just there for daycare. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that are happening that we don't see. Like when it comes to learning, like you don't just learn at school, you go home and then you do things that you're interested in and you're learning, Mm -hmm. you're spending your time how you want it to be. And sometimes you could say you're misusing your time, but I think there's a lot of times where kids do things, um, that actually enrich themselves, especially when they're choosing what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's this also a negative view about boredom where like, uh, kids during summer break get bored. I think that's great. Like, find something to do. Yeah. It's, like, you, you you'd like, fuck with things. You, like, try, destroy things, build things. Or just, like, creative, imaginative play. Um, and then, I guess, going back to, like, what you were saying about social media technology. Like, that's a big one. Where, like, people get stuck on video games. Yeah. Like, electronics. And a lot of parents feel um, uncomfortable with screen time. Because, like, that school is it's kind of, like, if a kid wants to spend all their time on screens, like, so be it. Let, let him do it. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, like, pushback about that. Like, I... I think like yeah, we should let the kid do what they want to do, but like where are they getting that behavior from? I'm pretty sure their parents maybe work from home or are always on their screens. Get home tired from work, put on Netflix, whatever it is. Like that's learned. All the behavior we see is learned. Just like when when um, kids are violent, where do they think? Where do you think they get the violence? Like from the parents or like so in their immediate environments? So like uh, like the way I, I view education is a very different way that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Even the parents who enroll their kids there and it's just like a philosophy that is completely out of left field that j- is very difficult to get um because a lot of people think learning is what i know and i give it to you yeah instead of just experiencing learning just being there and i think um that's an interesting thing going back to the psychedelics where i think psychedelics kind of do that you just sit and you think it come yeah information comes. comes into your head like when you think about philosophers like all the greatest philosophers none of them really went to formal schooling. Mm -hmm. Like they just thought, and this is where it's interesting. Kindergarten, the term, kinder, children, garden, garden. Kindergarten. What do you do? You go into the garden. What do you do in gardens? You you enjoy life. You think. You grow stuff. You grow stuff. You enrich uh, these living things. You enrich minds. And it's just interactions.
1: So going into like a higher grade, for example, say you're hitting like 10th, 11th grade up there. Like, are these kids doing a little bit more like or do you think they've gotten to the point where they kind of realize this, the environment they're in and then they can like be like yo like you know what i'm actually really interested in this let me just dive deep into this and like keep going this way or do you see still see like them bullshitting some days like kicking it or like or how do you see like just the general like way they act with it you know
0: yeah it depends there's a lot of differences like uh certain personalities where like they want to go to school to have fun with friends because at home, they don't have their friends at home. Yeah. So at home, they spend some of that, like, reading or, and, and, like, doing things like that. But at school, they just want to hang out and that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's other kids where they, kind of what you were describing, they just explore their interests. Like, we have a girl, I think 15, she's really into art. And, like, she'll, like, paint on herself and, like, paint on, like, uh, like like certain areas where she can paint and things like that. And, and like, very artistic Girl, and she comes to school having in mind what I want to do. And she just completes that. She has kind of a, a set of tasks. Yeah. More people are more like just laid back and kind of experience what's going on. And then they, they, they decide what they want to do. But she goes in like conscientious and mindful of what she wants to do and what she wants to spend her time doing there. Um, so it, it definitely varies. Like, I guess I'll go into like the original school yeah. uh, that started the hippie movement. Uh, that school has been operating since like uh, the late 60s. And has continued to operate in that same way where they have like 100 to 150 students. And it's all the same thing, K through 12, age mixing and free to do whatever they want. Mm. This democracy kind of way to rule the school, organize the school. And uh, there's case studies. Like they have a lot of literature. They've written a lot of stuff showing that, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface it where it is a different set of individuals. The parents that enroll them there are a specific set of individuals that have a specific philosophy, a specific mindset, specific culture. That enriches their kids like those kids could have ended up not going to school anywhere and probably would have still ended up in a a good in good hands Mm -hmm. because there's a specific culture i think a lot of things are culture um regardless of, of uh like ethnicity socioeconomic status there's certain cultures that are much more fruitful for people yeah and i think um people that like like give something like that a try it's a specific culture that is very innovative and um is is not willing to just uh submit to what everyone does So, like, it it it's like critical thinking. It's it's a a little different. Um, But they have a lot of case studies where 85% of the people that go to that school end up graduating from college after six years. Yeah, so it's very high. um, And a lot of them have been, like, very eccentric people where, like, there's, like, an e-gamer, very successful. There's uh, someone who creates boats and, like, sails from, like, different countries and uh, gets, like, sponsorships because of, like, the the boats he creates and things like that. There's a lot of creative minds like that that do some weird stuff. Like, there's this unicycle guy that um, found a bunch of other unicycle people who, like, travel a country and perform. And it's (laughs) just, like, weird shit like that. Yeah. uh, That, like, no one like that, like, where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And, like, you could say, like, oh, their cultural upbringing. But, like, something happens when you're so free to think and do and spend your time the way you want to do it. Or, like the sky like not even the sky like there is no limit like you you don't know what that child can become especially like when when schooling and going back to like what you're uh gato like it's so constructed it's so it's a system that you're Mm -hmm. in and you either fit and and go through the system or you're cut like you're you're cut through and like you're destroyed like your curiosity your creativity your personality is kind of destroyed in school um and that's something that like it's interesting because i think um I wasn't all that, like, compliant and, like, just, like, my my parents did a lot of uh, home videos, Mm -hmm. so I have a lot of footage of me growing up, and it's just, like, very different, like, to think, like, a child like that, just very, like, um, interesting, curious, and, like, doing all weird kind of shit, like, trying to, like, uh, show off, and, like, you know, like, just a kid, like, just so curious and, and enjoyable, and then, like, in school, you just listen, you do everything, and, like, you listen to authority and like Mm -hmm. a lot of a little bit of your personality is kind of
1: destroyed it's taken from you it's taken from you it seems like um what with that for example just like from looking into my perspective it kind of seems like when you go to school you're kind of like like i said nobody likes to have information forced down them especially when it's like you have to learn this and if you don't meet the requirements then you're failing like you're you're doing bad you know as opposed to like somewhere like that where it's constantly it seems like it'd be positive reinforcement to someone like like, oh, like, you want to just chill today? Like, cool, hang out. Like, or you want to go read this book? Bro, sick, go read this book, you know? Like, it just kind of, like, positively reinforces them to, to just be themselves and, like, push behind that, you know? And I think, like, when you when you go to someone like that or just saying how, how the people are themselves, like, you don't get many people that just have the ability or even the desire to want to express themselves and be true to themselves completely, you know? And, like like, that, it seems like, kids just get to be themselves completely and be a little bit more true to themselves rather than like hi hey, i have to hit at this objective this objective this objective this objective do you think more schools later on will maybe come into that kind of same idea or do you think it's still very hard just because you go to different places the the outcome may be a little bit different as well
0: yeah so if the government is involved with schools schools will remain this way forever mm. because this is of what the government wants they want to produce a specific set of individuals where like the way i describe schooling especially when the government's involved is that they're kind of testing people like the high iq the the people that are intelligent plus the people that follow directions because like let's say like my brother Mm. he he didn't care about school he thought it was stupid so he stopped doing well in school so like someone like that it's like oh you're intelligent but you don't follow directions so like you're not someone we would want um, but like someone like me and other people like that, like those are the people that they want. That's why those kinds of people go to university. So like mm-hmm. if I, when I went to UCLA, like so, there were so many people like me that just like followed directions, were intelligent and they were compliant and uh, got to this point. And then a lot of them, depending on what they're studying, um, stop going to school and go into corporations, go into businesses, uh, working for others or some go like the political route and get in, into politics or then some people go further into uh, education, a master's, a PhD, become professors, and then now they're teaching the next group of individuals that are following that path. Yeah. Um, so these kinds of individuals that do really well in school are the ones that you see in politics, the people with like big business owners, like innovators, um, and they're molded in a specific way in school to be certain, like a, a certain kind of type. Um, and I think uh, the way the way school works is that it, it's not meant for anyone; it's meant for just those people that succeed, um, and they're molded in a specific way to continue what's happened in culture, what's continued to happen uh, with the government and society in general. Where, um, if you control the schools, you can control people and how they act and how they think. Mm. Um, if you don't have that, like people can think all kinds of. Uh, crazy stuff or things that are, like, actually going against um, what the the government thinks or what just, like, the culture says. Like, it creates innovation. It creates different people. Um, And uh, if you have control over children, like, you can kind of guide the next generation. The next generation. And that's where, like, um, I'm working on a video, and uh, there's this guy, Yuri Bezmanov. Uh He uh, worked for, he was part of the Soviet Union. So, like
1: KGB or something? Yeah, KGB. Oh, okay.
0: So, I did post about that. Yeah. So, like, that guy gets at this idea that, um, like, the best way to control people, you start at the schools. And, like, within a generation, people are already, quote unquote, indoctrinated, believe certain things, act in certain ways, and have been trained to act in certain ways via the system. That to remove that, it it would be very difficult. Just like the way propaganda works, Mm -hmm. or the way that, like, my and this is where like like mind control it sounds so far-fetched but like any little bit of manipulation propaganda is mind control you're thinking something and it's your 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 views are being driven in a specific direction by people you may or may not know Mm -hmm. um by things you're consuming um
1: and by things you might not even be really paying attention to but it's kind of guiding you down this line bro i i know we're gonna get way off of this but like Black Lives Matter is a thing that's very relevant right now, right? And like, I've seen information and I've seen people say how like, I think the mu the movement and what people's idea about it and like what they really want to get to with it is pure. Like, it's a good idea. It's very very hopeful, you know. But like, when I start seeing information like about there being more to it, you know, like more in the background that we kind of don't know, like, I start to question it a lot more, you know, and like. I I think that's information we have to like people have to know shit like that you know you gotta have to find out about stuff like that but then I see the other side too like people on the right kind of like to um bring down the whole movement because of the fact that that stuff goes on in the background but they don't really see that like a lot of people are sticking to the movement because of the moral stuff you know what I mean so like as a background too do you have more information on that shit because like I really you're smart bro. Yeah, so
0: I, I have some information like uh, like for example like a simple statement like Black Lives Matter like if you're like a genuine person like you'll agree with that yeah. like it's like yeah Black Lives Matter I have no problem with that the question is the movement and mm. like uh, w- as a preface any movement that gets so much coverage be questionable about it like why is that happening like, um, like there's black people that are murdered all the time by people of authority but it doesn't get coverage so like when anything gets covered it's specific it's it's trying to guide the public in a specific direction it's it's meant to achieve something the mm-hmm. question is what is it trying to achieve and uh so like like the way I, I i view black lives matter is that even if it was completely genuine like they don't have a political ideology and they wanted to help black lives um i think what's important in is the action like like because I, I think this movement black lives matter it's like a humanistic movement where like a lot of people from the left, they care about people. They care about the poor. They care about the disenfranchised. And, uh, the question is, what should we do about that? Like, if we want to help these people, how do we help them? Mm. And that's like, uh, I guess going into a little bit of my, my politics, like, uh, 2016 was a big moment for me. I, I went away from, uh, the lesser of two evils. I looked at libertarian party and, uh, I didn't know all that much about it then, and I'm much more well versed now. And like, I, I'm not voting libertarian. Like, it's like every party, it's its own politics. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can change the world or cha- impact change through politics. The way I view things happening, when we get, and I, I alluded to this earlier, when we get change, it's because it's been decided to be given to us to placate people, mm-hmm. to make them feel like, okay, we did something, let's do something else. But then you're still buying into the system. When like the system, like if you really get into what it does, like it count uh, like the the government counterfeits money, it prints more money, gives it to the corporations, give it to the elite, and then the people get crumbs, um, or like they murder people abroad, like wars. Sure. Um, they uh, put people in cages that don't deserve to be cages, whether it's like children or or parents, like immigration, or it's um, like drugs or nonviolent uh, things. And then it's, like, they give special privileges to those in power, mm-hmm. like a Jeffrey Epstein or just, like, anyone involved, like, in, in red market kind of stuff, like, whether it's child trafficking, human trafficking, um, or, like, even being doing things that are illegal, but mm-hmm. they just like get, like, uh, nice, like, uh, leniencies. Um, so it's, like, if the government does all that stuff, mm-hmm. like, why do we buy into it? Like, why do we think that we can change things with it? Uh, I went on tangent, but the no. point with Black Lives Matter um, – we should question, what, why is this movement getting so much coverage and why are they allowing this? And like um, there's a, so like I, I look into political ideologies and like Marxism. There's some, uh, some leaders of Black Lives Matter that claim to be Marxist, that they believe in Marxism. So it's like based on like communism, like a communist view, but coming from like Karl Marx. And like essentially what he views is that we need to overthrow the capitalistic system, um, implement socialism, and then eventually go to communism. Mm. So, communism is a system with no hierarchy. So, everyone does whatever it is they want, everything is shared, um, and there's no state, there's no government. That's how he envisioned it. Mm. And, like, I like a description. So, I'm an anarchist, like a, I'm against the government. I don't think we should have a government. I think it's a government, a government is a mafia, a cartel. But uh, it disguises itself as a human rights organization. Like, it, it, it protects your rights. It does X, Y, Z for people. Yeah. Um, but in going back to, like, what the system does, it's, like, it's been doing that for centuries. Yeah. And, and, like, we still believe in it. Um, but, yeah, going back to the Marxism stuff. So, like, socialism, it's, like, the government takes control of industries. It t- t- takes controls o- over essentially everything that happens in society. And his view was that eventually once we level the playing field and and people that have been disenfranchised can get into those positions of power, now we can remove the state and allow people to live in harmony and peace and that kind of stuff. And, like, the thing with, like – so it's, like, give the power – give more power to the government to establish our society. Mm -hmm. And, like, if we know that the the, the government murders people, traffics people, counterfeits money – give special privileges to people, why do we think that increasing its power mm-hmm. can actually uh, create the society we want? Yeah. So it's kind of, that's where I come from, where it's like analyzing that. And like, if they are truly Marxist, like that's what they would want to do. So they would be giving power to the government, more power to the government. And a lot of the times they want to be in power, Intel. deciding the things. And like going back to the Christianity kind of an- analysis, which is uh, mimetic theory, mimesis. Mimesis comes from the root word of mimic mimic what we as humans we always mimic and it's this idea that we are driven to power control and decide what should be done for society yeah and uh, i think we're prone to corruption yep. no matter who it is no matter how uh, virtuous you are once you get into that position of power everything it, like like lobbyists or just like you're corrupted everything is just like i could do this or i could do that like it's so easy now mm-hmm. that you're in power. So I, I think we should be very questionable about that. So like Black Lives Matter, if they're Marxist, that, that should be questionable. Yeah. I think a lot of the people that um fall into this idea of giving more power to the government, even if it's for virtuous things, like there's some ego there that something is driving them in that direction that thinks that they know what's best for society. Mm-hmm. And like someone who thinks they know what's best for society should be questionable because like someone who like someone that's, who's... Yeah. That's an interesting,
1: yeah. really interesting thought, bro. Because like... I mean, if you think about it, everybody that's going into politics thinks they have that kind of goal, you know, like the purpose of let's make the world better a place or at least they they put that out there to everybody like the normal people. We really I mean, like I'm a fucking normal guy like I I look into the politics when I can. And it's a frustrating thing, though, because a lot of times you look at politics, you look at like people in power and you're like, "I, I could never touch them with a 10 foot pole. You know what I mean? Like I would never get close to them, never be able to influence the way they live and like. Like, it makes me think, like, like is this the right way to even govern ourselves? And then on top of that, like, will there ever be change? And, then, like, how would change come? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it just seems so heavy. Like, mm-hmm. if change was to come, it seems like something would, like, definitely have to happen that's really heavy. And, that like, maybe even change, like, a civil war type shit. You know what I mean? What do you think, like, will cause some change? Or do you think there will ever be any, like, separation from just this two-party system that we have right now? Like... Because I was talking to Erasmo, for example, and Erasmo said that he feels like he had to choose a side, you know, and I was like, like, I get it, you know, because some people, they do have to feel like they feel like that, you know, and like, but to me, it's like, fuck this, like, bro, fuck this. Like, I fucking voted back in the day, like, and I voted for Bernie, honestly, and I I voted for him because morally, I thought this guy is the smartest guy he's been, he's been like back, he's been behind everything he said, like, he's been true to it switched up later on, you know, like, with all that Hillary shit, like, yeah. promoting her and stuff, which was all bullshit, but, but, like, his original goal was cool, and then, like, when I found out, like, our, the Electoral College pretty much ended up choosing, like, the vote, you know, so, like, it made me be so, so disillusioned with fucking politics, it made me just want to be like, fuck all this, you know, so, like, what do you think it really would take for us to get away from this whole two thing? Yeah,
0: so, that sentiment, I, I love that sentiment, like, I, I, I want people to have that sentiment, but like, people are having that sentiment, but then they're like, oh, we need to anti-Trump, like, get Trump out of office. Yeah. And, because uh, I, I view propaganda, like, I, an, I analyze, like, how things play out. And I definitely think that there's a lot of propaganda to make people anti-Trump. yeah, Because that means that they're voting Democrat and believing in the system, and they're willing to vote for Biden. Like, dementia, yeah. like, possible, like, uh, sex scandal. Uh, someone who, uh, is not that intelligent. Like I said, some quote-unquote, like, uh, quasi racist stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're willing to vote for that guy to get that guy out of office. Like what, what kind of morals, principles, values do you have? Mm-hmm. And, um, so like that sentiment is good because that's your thinking, you're not just going to accept what the reality is. And that's like, um, uh, just as an example where like, <clears throat> like a like I believe in peaceful parenting. I don't believe in like yelling at your kids, hurting your kids. Some people think it's like, Oh, some discipline is necessary. It's mm-hmm. like when you, you look at it, like, what are you doing? You're abusing your kid. You're hitting them. That cr- creates trauma, mental and emotional and physical.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and they think it's like, oh, it's discipline. Like they need a little bit like of that. And I think discipline is good. The question is like, do you need to beat your kid to give them discipline? Um, do, There's different ways to do that in peaceful ways. Mm-hmm. So going back to that, like where it's like, um
1: j- Qu- quick question: Were you hit growing up? Like, uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you not- feel about it? And like, do you think it ended because, like, me personally, I wasn't like, oh no, like very like, bro, I was hit like one time. My parents really hit me. Maybe like twice, you know what I mean? But other than that, like, like, they just would leave me, because I was the youngest out of four kids, you know, so they would just be like, cool, leave me, and then, like, from there, a lot of the times that I, the reason why I didn't get into trouble or, like, do a lot of really bad shit was just because I had that like, I don't want to disappoint my parents. Like, they have been so good to me, you know, they don't, like, they they treat me good. Like, I'm not going to fuck it up, like, fuck up what I have with them, you know what I mean? So I just thought that's interesting, especially the way that you think, like, that you don't want to fucking go on and, like, Continue the way that you kind of got brought up, you know, like getting hit and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not saying you got fucking beat yeah, or yeah, anything. No. You know?
0: Yeah, like it was like basic little things, like getting hit where like it hurt and stung, but it's just, just like, I don't know, or like it, you're fine again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, it's interesting when you look at it. But like it's more traumatic expecting the hit mm-hmm. than actually getting hit. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing where it's like there's some emotional thing going on where you're fearing this authoritarian, which you love, you love your parents, but then they switch it up on you and they're now trying to cause damage to you. And like, it it fucks people up and they don't really understand like how that happens. Yeah. Um, so like, I I think that's noteworthy, but like going back into kind of the connection with politics, the idea that it's like, we understand or like for however long, like we've just thought like, yeah, discipline, this kind of discipline is good, but it's like, what if this is not the way to do it? What if there's more productive ways that are more moral efficient, Mm. uh, ways to actually, uh, discipline your kid. So the same thing with politics, it's like left, right politics, or we believe, we have this government, we vote democratically um, for certain things. Then there's an electoral college, these people that are represented uh, uh, for us that choose uh, the person that's going to get nominated or the person that gets elected. And it's like, OK, wh- but why do you accept that? That's just the way things are like mm. in, the, in like the 60s. Um, they believed that like uh, homosexuality was like an illness and like they try to treat people like. That's 60 years ago. Like, yeah. why don't you think maybe there's an archaic way to organize society? Mm-hmm. And that's a thing where it's like, like, let's analyze what it is, what it does. Like, what it is, is a, it, it, a government is ruling by force. Like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like a cartel, uh, a mafia, where um, a specific set of people determine what is right and what is wrong. And then they enforce that via force. Or like, I could simply like raw selling raw milk is illegal. Like, if um, I am selling raw milk, I get... Um, like uh, a tip and it's like, they come to me and it's like, Oh, we're going to arrest you for that. And I say, no, I'm not going to get arrested. Uh, and I resist, um, they're going to use force Mm -hmm. and then I could end up dead. And I think that's where like, uh, going into, I guess, uh, cultural, uh, or a different kind of thing under the black lives matter. Like people that, that get abused by cops a lot of the time is because of stupid laws that the cops shouldn't be enforcing in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the people, the recipients of that force are like, fuck you. Like, uh, they have a negative view of that kind of authority. And then plus that, it's like, you're arresting me for like a stupid thing. Like it, just having a small joint or whatever it is. And so it's like, fuck you, I'm not going to resist. And that's where the heavy force comes in. Mm. And it's like, um, both sides are kind of fueling it a little bit. And like any abuse I'm against, any uh, abuse of power I'm against, and that's com- they should be held accountable. But I think we should also analyze what the whole story is. And it's like removing those laws, that would mean uh, less cops interacting with, Black and brown people in low-income communities, and that would fix a lot of the issues because they sh- just shouldn't be involved Like enforcing that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it feels like uh, Stuff like that is enforced a lot more in black and brown communities rather than other like white predominantly neighborhoods, you know
0: Yeah, the way I view it is that Because um, i have analyzed a lot of slavery a lot of jim crow and I think a lot of it goes down to culture So I, I just finished reading a book uh, co- titled black rednecks and white liberals by thomas soul He's a black economist. Um, He's probably like in his early 80s now, but he's very prolific. He's done a lot of uh, economic and cultural uh, work. And essentially what he's playing out in that book, which is very interesting, he's saying that uh, redneck culture started in in Britain, in Great Britain. The people that came uh, as colonists, um, there were like higher class people, people of the cities. Um, that went into the north, and then a lot of the redneck culture, people outside of the cities that didn't know English well, illiterate, different kind of culture, um, that they went into the south. So there was a, a division between in class, white people in the north that were like higher class, lower class, white people in the south. In the south, there's redneck culture. And what he was getting at is that the majority of the people that were black, 90% of them, lived in the south. A lot of that culture kind of mixed. And uh, being enslaved is is like such a terrible thing. And it it, it, um, stunts growth, development, learning, that kind of stuff, plus the culture. It created a very negative environment for blacks in the South. There were a lot of blacks that were freed early on, just like culturally, in the South that ended up going closer to the North. Um, And they ended up developing a different kind of culture because they were closer to the North. A lot of them fled into the North early on. And they developed a different culture. Like, this is very interesting that I thought it was, I was like, I didn't even know any of this. Yeah. Where, like, people in the North were completely accepting of blacks because they had a specific culture. Like, they didn't, like, when you think of redneck, you think of, like, um, like getting into fights, bar fights, um, drinking, like, using drugs. Like, um, not being literate, um, being not that articulate with the, with words, um, getting offended by, like, simple things like a, like a simple weird look mm-hmm. or, like, talking to your woman, whatever it is, things like that. And a lot of them didn't have that culture. So, like, in the late 1880s, 1890s, in the north, there was, like, this is after slavery, but this is before, like, a lot of people from the south entered. In those, it was, like, 50% black and white neighborhoods. Like, they were integrated already under Jim Crow. Shit. Yeah. So, that's very interesting. But then what happened is that there was a huge influx, a huge immigration from people in the south. And this is, like, I'm talking about geographic. Because by then, it wasn't North-South. It was the Union. It was the U.S. after slavery. Um, A a huge influx in the early 1900s. And that's where, quote-unquote, racism, racism, as it started to really happen. Where it's like all these blacks started to take over these cities Mm -hmm. because it was a huge influx with a specific culture, redneck culture. And white people started to scapegoat, getting back at what we were talking about earlier, finding someone to blame for the things that were happening, higher crime and that kind of stuff, or just a disruption in the culture. And that's when they started to be blamed. Uh. But before that, like, they were completely accepted. People would work together under Jim Crow. Mm. And it's, like, illegal to, like, in certain areas, like, it just wasn't enforced all that well. And especially because, like, the government um, had less um, control over a lot of the different things. There was a little more decentralization in certain areas. But they were, like, pretty integrated. And I thought that was really fascinating and very different. And I think um, just going back or not going back, but just getting at, like, the idea of, like, slavery. Like, these things that are, like, hot topics right now, slavery, Jim Crow, um, uh, mass incarceration, like, war on drugs kind of stuff. Like, all of this left politics has an agenda, right politics has an agenda. Surely, yeah. And, like, what is the information behind that that we're not seeing? And, and I think we always have to analyze history. Mm-hmm. And you really interested in history, and I think that's important. Then there's also culture. What was happening culture, culturally yeah. in those areas? Because um, if uh, we don't understand the culture, we don't know how things were actually playing out. We can see a law, but does that mean that people were obeying the law?
1: That's exactly that's All what I was out. thinking too. Like like, how did society even look at the law? Like what were they thinking of it? Like are they thinking like this is complete bullshit? Or are they looking at it like, yo, we need to respect this, like not, not, not even getting near this, you yeah. know what I
0: mean? That's really fascinating too, like getting at that idea where – He's getting at the culture where there was, when slavery was still legal, there was a huge culture both in the North and the South against slavery where they were thinking like, yeah, we need to abolish slavery eventually. Like even Robert E. Lee, the, command, the commander of the Confederacy in the South, in 1856, he said that, yeah, it's, legal, it's evil, but we eventually need to get rid of it. So there's a lot of cultural views around that in the South that was going around. Um, the, one of them was this, that they feared a race war. Like, we abolish slavery, that means millions of blacks could probably try to get revenge against the white people. They feared that. So it's like, oh, we can't just abolish it. We need another system in place. And then the second one is, why does the Union, the North, why do they want to abolish slavery? Slavery was one of the biggest economic, um, or like the biggest, uh, how people got money and like the economy. It was like a huge economic industry in, in the South. The North didn't really have it because plantation slavery wasn't that great for it because of, like, cotton. It didn't really—because of the weather in the North, it uh, didn't—it wasn't great for cotton and other industries. They typically have, like, indentured slavery and that kind of stuff, Uh, servants, maids, homemakers. So if the North abolished slavery, it wouldn't affect them all that much. But if you abolish it in the South, that would be a huge negative outcome in terms of the economy. So despite the culture being like, yeah, we should probably abolish it eventually— they were like, like screw you. We're not going to abolish it because you're trying to like hurt us economically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where like um, people were wanting to secede. The the South wanted to secede from the Union because of this kind of ploy. And it's like we're not going to abolish slavery. We want to separate ourselves and continue slavery um, until we can find a new system to really do this. Um, and it's kind of like a little bit of revisionist history because like what you get in K through 12, or what you get in the universities, or what you get like in po- popular culture. a specific narrative around slavery around jim crow around uh black livelihood Mm -hmm. and of course like the the negative outcomes we've been seeing in black people are all because of slavery but jim crow war on drugs and 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 this is what i want to emphasize the things that the state has decided to do culturally people if they feel connected like none of these problems will really happen like you have scapegoating mechanisms but the ones putting in the law the ones dictating what happens what doesn't happen who gets put in a cage? Who doesn't get it put put in a cage? It's all determined by the government, by the state. So um, yeah, there was this huge call for secession in the South, and then that's when Abraham Lincoln was like, "We we can't allow them to secede. We want to abolish slavery." Made the Civil War out of because of or made it about slavery. Yeah. But a lot of it had to do with the politics, where um, they didn't want the the South to leave because uh, the Economic value of the U.S. would decrease. Like it would, like they wouldn't have all the, the uh, resources and um, like all the industry that they had. Um, they would lose all of that. So like they wanted to keep it integral. So they made it about slavery to make it like a moral thing and also to like uh, make it like like a, a pressing issue that like everyone we need to go to war.
1: Um, so do you think like? Cause that's actually a really fucking interesting point bro because like i mean originally my my thought of it was all well it's slavery you know like they wanted to keep slavery just because they wanted to be able to have people of course economically it helps them a lot i even heard that like people would get money for having slaves and stuff like that so i that's super fucking interesting because it makes me think like now even though like you said it's wrong but they had a way to maybe like they were thinking like maybe we should get rid of this but slowly you know and like in a way that it won't affect our whole economy and, like, re- maybe even break us down a bit, you know? Because I'm not too sure how stuff ended up turning out afterwards, like, after... Uh, as far as, like, um, the fields and stuff like that, when slavery ended, like, if it was really bad, like, did they lose a lot of money or did they still have the, the ability to make it? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I haven't actually looked into that. Um, but it was... It, the book that I was reading was more kind of, like, getting to abolish... Abol- the abolishment of slavery. Yeah. And then after that, it jumped to, like, Jim Crow life. Um, like two decades later. Huh. Um, but, uh, damn, what was I going to say? Um, I
1: have, a, I've, I've been saying to my friends, like yeah. an interesting point, like, um, okay, now I, I seen something about, um, it's, a, I'm not comparing, I'm just saying like, anim- like biology, like they were doing this example of a rat going through a little maze, right? And he was going to go through this door and they, he would get electrocuted every time he went through the door. So they brought his son in one day, pretty much like his baby. And like, after he would go through the trail he would not go through the door at all like he kind of knew like i don't go through this door like i go through the other way and like i think that happens in humans dude like when you have like either a systemic or like or just something that's happened to you like say my parents got abused and they live with that you know i think that can transcend like and go down like generations you know like where you either have a resentment in you or you have like just like you just have something towards that you know
0: yeah, that's an interesting thing because I, I believe um, our bodies are psychosomatic. So psycho, like the mind. Um, I'm not sure what somatic means, but I believe body, um, where our mind imp- like impacts our bodies, how we feel, how we mm. think. So like, I think if you're like like it's an interesting thing. Like um, people that experience famines, like that impacts physiology, mm. and then you have children that impacts their genetics. So um, I think also just like uh, feeling inc- uh, like uh, completely oppressed. Impacts the mind. And then also, um, that also impacts diet. That impacts just the way you feel, mm-hmm. which impacts then your physiology, which I think could then be transpa- uh, like tra- uh, passed on to later okay. generations. Yeah. Um, so I think th- this gets into an interesting thing because um, going into that, like I, I mentioned, like left and right, diff- specific politics and how they feel about um, these kinds of forms of oppression. What is the information behind that? Mm-hmm. And I think in general, any event that is very... Uh, that is highlighted a lot. Like if you think about like slavery, Holocaust, we learned about a lot of that, but we don't talk about like Rondian genocide. We don't talk about the Cambodian genocide, Armenian genocide. Like the Turkish government doesn't acknowledge the Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, oh, they can believe, they could choose to believe that. I don't but even
1: if, know what that is. Like uh, I, a lot, some of this shit, yeah. I don't even know. Like I didn't even know about um, like Belgium going into the Congo either. Like I, didn't, I had no idea until I saw a picture recently and I was like, what the fuck? Like, They would even go and, like, really abuse people. It's fucking crazy. But as you were saying. Yeah.
0: Uh, But I guess touching on that, like, kind of what I wanted to say was that we don't really know a lot of the history that has happened because we only know what's been written. And then the people that wrote it wrote it with a specific narrative. And then now the people that have that history talk about it and express it in a specific narrative. So it's like everything's kind of being rewritten in Mm -hmm. a sense. Um, and then uh, so like I think slavery is an interesting thing because that's how everyone functioned in the whole world. Like white people were enslaved in North Africa. They were enslaved and given to the Middle East. And uh, so like when you think about like the Western civilizations, um, they all uh, abolished slavery before the East. And they were trying to convince the East to uh, abolish it, but they were just not getting it. They didn't want to. And you can say uh, some people like from the right would probably be like, oh, like we're so moral. We care about people. I I honestly like for my analysis of reading that book, I don't think they did it because of uh, morality, like the states, the governments. Yeah, I think they did it because they saw this culture that was going on in people. And if they chose not to abolish slavery, they would stop believing in the government. They would stop buying into it. So they like getting back to what I was saying earlier. Give them a little bit.
1: so So then so as far as like all society would not like even slaves would doubt the government as well kind of thing um
0: well just the people in or i don't know but like i like i guess what i'm really focusing on is like the people that wanted slavery to be abolished which eventually it became a cultural majority so like let's think about like great britain so there that culture was happening Mm. and uh to placate them they were going to abolish slavery however if we if britain abolishes slavery Um, That means that they have to pay people now to work. So that costs more. Mm -hmm. So if it costs more, it would be, it would cost more to produce things. So you would have to price things higher. And if you price things higher, people aren't going to buy from you because there's slavery elsewhere. Things are cheaper elsewhere. So then that's where the government started to be imperialistic as it has been. The the British government um, has been imperialistic, but now the converse trying to abolish slavery via force. So that's when Britain went into its colonies. Uh, British colonies got rid of uh, uh, slavery. They went into Brazil. They went into Africa, Middle East, um, essentially, like, destroying some of their land and and their their product and, like, plantations, kind of putting them in a situation where, like, if we'll do more of this, we'll go to war with you if you don't abolish slavery. Mm. Where, like, it seems like it was more like a market thing, a profit thing. Yeah. Where, like, uh, it's interesting because, like, I would think, like, slavery, we abolished it because of complete morality. And, like, in the culture in philosophers that's what it was like it was a moral thing um and then like i guess connecting it to back earlier where like there was this idea of like getting rid of slavery in the south and a cultural kind of sentiment they morally believed in but in terms of organizing society they thought like actually we can't just go out and do that because of other possible consequences yeah so like i guess going back to britain i think they did it because they wanted to maintain their profits It's like imperialism was how the whole world functioned. Slavery was everywhere. And uh, if now we can't have slavery, we need to ensure that nowhere has slavery. Okay. To ensure that the Britain remains a powerful country economically and Uh in terms of control.
1: So I know this is kind of a far stretch, but kind of relate this a bit uh, with what's going on right now. Um, The coronavirus is a huge thing. A lot of people... I mean, a lot of people are freaked out about it, and a lot of people think it's fucking bullshit, and that it just needs to be over with. I'm not on hard on either side. I'm, like, right in between, bro. I, uh, from everything I've researched and stuff, like, I don't think it's as deadly as, as it was first perceived to be, you know? When I first came out, I was fucking shitting bricks. Like, I was scared as fuck, you know? But with more, more time and more, more knowledge about, like, everything, like, it started to make me be like, oh, well, like, this is deadly to a certain amount of people. But it's not deadly to everybody, you know, and like it, it doesn't affect like it's going to it'll probably wipe maybe like one out of 100 people out type thing, you know, but it'll still wipe that one person out. And like morally, I think that's why I still wear a mask. That's still why I give a fuck about the coronavirus, because if I could stop one person from dying, I mean, well, why not? You know, like then and like I think a, a lot of the time too, like people morally that's what they go for you know like that's what it is it's like we want to look out for other people and i think even the government is kind of prefacing that it's just saying is that you know it's like we're trying to help out the rest of the world by by just getting rid of this virus you know but at the same time it feels like there is maybe something else that's going on in the background you know that like i've seen people say that this is like a social conditioning like getting us used to like doing vaccines, like, doing whatever the fuck they want, and then later on they're going to try to put a chip in us, you know? And sometimes that's hard for me to believe because, like, I ha- I don't have that much faith in humanity, you know? Like, like, big powers uniting so much to, like, do this all across the world, you know? But then again, we start to see little things, and, like, it, it makes me think it's very possible, but it just is, like, it seems very far-fetched, you know? Like, sometimes I'm like, that's hard for me to reach out because it's just, like... It's so out of pocket. It's like, what do you think with everything going on right now? Like, do you think it's like a ploy or do you think it's just like some new thing that we just haven't really come to understand completely?
0: Yeah. So I, I have pretty strong opinions about him. Um, I, I, I guess I'll just be blunt. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'll describe how what I thought about yeah. at the very beginning. So uh, I analyze everything i analyze culture i analyze history i analyze his, uh politics economics and i also delve into the conspiracy stuff uh, just as a disclaimer um not all conspiracies are true and not uh and then like that no conspiracies exist that's also naive yeah so it's like we have to discern the truth
1: from what's false because i seen i mean some conspiracies are fucking true and then didn't, like, the CIA co- like coin the term conspiracy theory or something like that? Yeah, so that, that happened
0: um, right after, probably, like, a year two years after JFK's assassination where a lot of people started questioning things, and it's mm. like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, and that's where it kind of stemmed from. And then, like, a lot of the work that they've been doing uh, or that they had been doing in the 60s, like, a lot of uh, secret CIA operations that then get disclosed via leaked documents and things like that showing a lot of weird things that they've been doing where like those are all conspiracies they're doing these things in uh secrecy Mm -hmm. to achieve certain outcomes and that's what a conspiracy is it's just a group of people trying to achieve a certain outcome in secrecy not letting people know um so like most things are conspiracies when you think about it because like everyone wants to achieve certain outcomes but if you show your hand you're probably not going to achieve that Mm -hmm. so uh, it's like a group of people sometimes it's several groups of people trying to achieve a certain outcome and sometimes they're competing so the the way I describe everything, it's mafia, cartel, government. It's the same thing. Mart- uh, cartels are competing with each other. Everyone has their own ge- uh, like location, geography, and as long as you don't get in their business, we're all fine. Yeah. It's like you control your area, you control my, or I control my area. Sometimes there's some uh, beef. Some sometimes things like yeah, clashes, things like that happen. Um, sometimes they work together, and that's kind of the thing where like you'll work together, but that isn't mean that they're a part of each other or achieve, trying to achieve the same outcomes. It's like people are willing to do whatever it is. And, and I think a lot of it gets into the sociopathy, psycho- psychopathy where people don't feel anything for murdering people or enslaving people or trafficking people, uh, whatever it is. And uh, those kinds of people are willing to do anything. Uh, what was your original question?
1: It was just about COVID, like a, COVID. COVID. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, like yeah. COVID.
0: Oh, so originally uh, since I analyzed a lot of this conspiracy stuff, um, Every event, the way I describe it, is used as a crisis. Mm-hmm. It could be real. It could be uh, com- completely fake. Or it could be um, controlled and manipulated to, made to be seen as a bigger crisis. So like uh, at the very beginning, the way I recognized it was I thought that they were going to use this crisis for an economic uh, crisis. So like uh, since 08, and this is something Ron Paul talked a lot about. Um, he talked about this like years before the market crash in 08 and uh, a lot of that had to do with like government involvement in it Uh, but that crash was caused by a lot of the things the government was doing and they've continued those economic policies which is just printing more money um and uh like relying on the federal reserve and they're not really producing anything they're just increasing the debt more inflation hurting the people like the like low income middle class and benefiting the, the the corporate people and, and those in, with a lot of uh, influence and power. Mm-hmm. So uh, because of the same economic policies, a lot of economists were predicting a economic crash this year. And uh, I had heard about that in the 20 in 2019. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, that's probably going to happen and we need to be like concerned about it. And then um, when COVID came around uh, like in China and that kind of stuff, I thought like, I don't know about it. Like, um, this could be just like a ploy because like there's this huge beef, like especially like right wingers with China and like the economics of that and like trade and that kind of thing where like it, it looks like it's a ploy to get into a Cold War or an actual war with China.
1: Mm-hmm. So like
0: anything in uh, politics politics or what's going on, I always question it. It's like, what are people trying to achieve with this? Because yeah. everything gets spinned. They're always trying to support a specific agenda, specific narrative, even if it is if it is true. So I was thinking about that. It's like, okay, probably that's what's going on. And then, and they kind of have been blaming China the whole, the whole time. It's like, Oh, if China would have done this or China would have done that informed people, like we wouldn't have been in this mess. Mm -hmm. And then from the left, it's like blaming the U S it's like, Oh, well like if you knew you should have done something early and like, it's just, it's all political game. It's like, uh, it seems like people that are gossiping and like just blaming each other. That's kind of the way it kind of seems. Um, But I thought it was that economic uh, crisis it's going to happen to blame COVID on the economic crash Mm -hmm. instead of blaming the economic policies that the government has been doing. So it's like the scapegoat uh, mechanism that I was describing. It's the government's groups, people, they all do this. It's like blame this. It's not me. I didn't do it. COVID did it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's what it was going to be. And like uh, people were asking me, oh, what do you think? And that's what I I was telling people like mid-March. But then it kept going. And that's Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, what's going on? Um, and that's where I started really getting into the science because they're this idea of like uh, the lockdowns this idea of wearing masks mm-hmm. and I started questioning like, okay, like, is that actually um, like, what is there efficacy is there like truth in that like, is, is that like necessary. Yeah, yeah. because like, I, so I guess describing Paul poli- going back into the, like my politics, the reason I became like a libertarian or like this kind of philosophy, I wouldn't say I'm a libertarian anymore. I'm a voluntarist libertarian anarchist agorist. Um, but that philosophy, I got into this philosophy because I really cared about people. I care about the most uh, disenfranchised people, the minority, the individual. So I want a philosophy of peace, of nonviolence. So it drove me in this direction. Um, so, like, I have a very humanistic approach where it's like, if I could do something to help people, like, I wanna take it, I wanna do it. However, there are things that we want to do and implement that could actually cause more harm. So then I started questioning okay, like, the mass thing, like, could actually have more detriment to your health. Because, like, uh, I think a lot of uh, pharmaceuticals, a lot of the pills that people are on, it doesn't really help you. It gives you more uh, uh, symptoms, more side effects, and you're just stuck.
1: It numbs the feeling. Whatever, a lot of shit is, like, you have a pain, it doesn't really help the source. It just kind of makes you not think about it. Mm -hmm. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah, so the idea is, like, okay, there's this solution, but is the solution actually helpful? So I Mm -hmm. looked in a little bit of that, and then, like, I essentially, like, I... Cause of the people that i follow I, I have access to certain like uh like podcasters scientists um like all kinds of different people that I follow and i get into certain information that like no one would ever get to yeah and i got into some of the analysis of, si- of the science about viruses and essentially um so like early virus studies they used um they tried to prove that viruses can be transmitted um with the same methods that they used for bacteria so, like, uh, there's a certain postulates, four postulates. I, I may not remember them all. Koch's postulates, this guy that uh, developed this system to uh, verify that bacteria was uh, transmitted from one person to the next. So, like, if I had a certain piece of bacteria in my system, I could transmit that to you. Mm-hmm. And, like, one simple thing is, like, uh, isolating it from me, purifying it, giving it to another healthy system. And then if you become sick um, and then you have that um, bacteria, that's one. The second postulate, I think another one is that the idea that we isolate it um from you and then give it to a healthy system and then it causes them to get sick mm-hmm. and then there's like two other ones that i am not i don't remember right now but that made a lot of sense where it's like okay that's how you verify uh transmission and then i started looking into some of the virus studies they never proved that like most studies or i'll say all all studies have never proven coke's postulates with viruses and then they use a different revised uh, postulates called Thomas Rivers postulates, and it's like adding two other postulates, and then a lot of them also don't fulfill those, like when you look deeper into the studies. Mm. So, like, um, I I have a science... Well, I study psychology, but research background. Um, I worked with a developmental psychologist um, in in, uh, UCLA, and I did research with him, and it was really focused on education, which kind of drove me in the direction of education. But uh, I, I... have, during that time, I analyzed a lot of different studies and recognized a lot of the time they're trying to find a way to prove what they're looking for. Yeah, and, and in humanities, in science, in math, like everything, it's like you have a hypothesis, and you're looking for that hypothesis. You want to get extra funding. You want your study. You want like um like a clout essentially for like getting a study published, and uh, you want your name out there. So there's definitely like an incentive like mm-hmm. get this, and like sometimes you you uh, put caveats like these like disclaimers oh it wasn't completely like this but then it's still sound it it still passes so I looked in a lot of those kind of studies and things didn't add up and there's two doctors Dr. Uh, Andrew Kaufman and Dr. Uh, Thomas Cohen and uh, one has a psychiatry background the other one I I don't remember right now what he what his background is but they were analyzing a lot of it of the science and it didn't really add up in terms of what the science that they're putting out so it got me questioning, and uh, he, Dr. Andrew Kaufman has a theory which aligns with a book that I'm reading on, and it's getting at the idea that everything that we've experienced, like in terms of pathogens and diseases, is all man-made. Man-made not in the sense that there's like a bio lab and people are like creating things to try to get people sick, in the sense that the way we live, the way we organize, the, how we spend our time doing, and how we sanitize things has created a lot of these pathogens and problems that we've been experiencing, mm. which is really fascinating. Um, and essentially what he's saying is that, uh, viruses, like everyone kind of gets at the idea that they don't exist. They're not alive, that that's true. And that viruses are part of the immune response. So like when bacteria or toxins or poisons enter your body, your body tries to, uh, alleviate yourself. So like some, that symptoms like runny nose or whatever it does, sweating to try to expel the toxins. Mm -hmm. So his idea is that that's what happens. Everything, the reason people get sick is because something enters the body that the body identifies as harmful. Like I have allergies. Mm-hmm. So like uh, if I'm playing soccer, inhaling a lot, a lot of dust, pollen that goes into my system and I have bad allergies um, and, and or just like whatever it is, like sometimes I get bad allergies depending on the weather. Um, and my body thinks that I'm in danger, but it's just dust. It's just pollen. It's not going to do anything. But my body has that immune response, runny nose and sweating, and it's just like a a terrible experience, but my body has that immune response. Mm -hmm. Um, So the same thing, where like something enters the body and there's an immune response. So then uh, he's saying that the virus, what we identify as virus, is what's called an exosome. So an exosome is a combination of proteins, nucleic acids, RNA, DNA, that toxic cells like cells that got poisoned secrete that exosome to get rid of the cells to protect the cells that exist Mm -hmm. And then uh, the body goes through the immune response to expel those cells those those toxic cells uh, sneezing symptoms, you know and It's an interesting thing and then he goes into analyzing viruses and like when you look at an electromagnetic electromagnetic microscope Viruses very look look very similar to exosomes Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at the COVID test, it tests for a specific set of proteins within the RNA that they that they claim is in the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, exosomes have those same proteins in RNA in the exosomes. So like he's making connections with that where it's like, we may be misattributing what's causing us to have these symptoms, where instead of the virus being the cause, it's part of the process to alleviate the, the illness, the sickness, and something else is causing us to get sick. And then um, that in combination with what I think everyone should just worry about, which is health. um, uh, So like diet, uh, sleeping patterns, um, exercise, mental health, Mm -hmm. and like all these different factors that if you have that just on check, like you're like keeping uh, that on track, like most of these problems, pathogens, issues aren't an issue. And then uh, beyond that, like people that have existing conditions are the one that that get affected. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, what is causing us to get sick? And the way he describes it is that the reason the lungs have been affected is because these toxins, um, when um, the body doesn't have a good immune response due to the lack of good diet, exercise, mental health, um, pre-existing conditions, that some of the toxins exist, they're carried in the blood to different organs in the body, including the brain, the lungs, the heart. And in certain areas, um, they may cause more damage if you already have issues in those areas, like past life like smoking yeah. or like secondhand smoke, whatever it is. Um, that that's why those areas get concentrated with the toxins, which create the disease, like COVID, because it's SARS-CoV is the virus, mm-hmm. SARS-CoV two, and then COVID is the disease, which is like the respiratory disease. So that's kind of like what he's getting at, which yeah. I think is very fascinating, and it's like a completely different way to think about things, and like. Going into the kind of conspiracy, I don't think people know this, and they're uh, like misleading the public to uh, buy into this understanding of viruses to like make them like sheep, like uh, the condi- the social conditioning that you were talking about. I think it's like a lot. We science we've been wrong about science. Like if I were to like uh, analyze, because I'm an anarchist, I think um, what. The state the government is one of the most archaic things we have to organize society like it, it's like it's not based in any science it's not based in any logic it's more based in just the fact that we've done things this way mm-hmm. so the same thing with this like virus um understanding where it's like since the 1800s this is how we, what we've thought about viruses so why would it be any different and it's like not questioning like maybe we have it wrong whether like anything like we could have any like anything wrong and um, I think we should ask questions and try to answer them using their own science. So, like, using their own science, which is Koch's postulates, they haven't fulfilled the viruses with that. So, like, uh, I have in discussions with some friends where, like, it's like, oh, but why do you believe in Koch's postulates? Like, I, I, the way I, I think about things, it's like logic, where I contradict the the logic in what they're claiming mm-hmm. via their own logic. Yeah, um, That's the way to prove that wrong, where it's like, I don't think I have the answers. I think this is fascinating. We should look into it. But this goes into the propaganda where there's propaganda around questioning there's propaganda around the experts
1: the science where you get your information to yeah. like people highly doubt stuff you know what i mean like like uh fuck, how do i say because like no actually continue your story bro because continue your point i mean because as far as like the COVID goes like i have a trouble because i'm like i don't even know where to like get information you know what i mean because like i look at cdc or i go to who or whatever right and then people are like, bro, don't believe them. They're complete, bu- like, bullshit. So I'm like, where the fuck, like, who the fuck do I believe? You know what I mean? So it's very harsh for me as far as that goes.
0: Yeah. So the way I look at things, it's like, look at what they're saying because there's truth in what they say a lot mm-hmm. of times. Like, the way, I, I don't think anything is ever just a fake or a complete hoax. Yeah. Like, it, it makes more sense to use things that are real and exist for ben- for your own benefit for agendas, narratives, and things like that. Um, instead of trying to create like a complete like hoax or complete like misconception about things Um, but but yeah like I I, I look into all of that and see like where's the logic in that is that inconsistent and because like also kind of what we've been going through there's been a lot of um, inconsistency at first were saying oh masks don't help masks Mm -hmm. now we have to wear masks or it's like oh we don't have to lock down now we have to lock down and then like certain areas aren't locking down and but they haven't had a lot of cases and then um, like it's just a lot of different things that don't add up. Yeah. And then, uh, so like, I, I, I question it all. Um, and I think the way I view things is like, regardless of what the issue is, what the concern is, like the government's always going to take advantage of it to push in certain things. And, um, that's where like, uh, this whole, like, uh, the, the government giving like people like those, uh, COVID relief checks and things like that. Like people are complacent with that. Like they feel comfortable. It's like, Oh, the government can take care of me mm-hmm. instead of uh, being upset that the government preventing you from being uh, able to work mm-hmm. like essential business and non-essential businesses, and that kind of stuff um, where they're hurting you. They're causing a lot of the problems, but you think like, Oh, okay. Like they're, they're actually, they care about me when like they give like corporate ba- uh, bailouts and like uh corporate welfare to like the biggest corporations. So it's like, Everything we need to analyze everything. And if yeah. we don't analyze everything, we're 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 uh, prone to falling in the traps that like people that say like social conditioning or like like this new world order kind of thing like this. Um, people that want a one world government, like corporations, big elite people that are trying to push people in a certain direction. It's like even if you believe in that or not, like that's kind like even if that's not what they're trying to do, like we're still fulfilling that in a sense where it's like we just believe everything we're told. Yeah. so it doesn't matter if they're actually trying to do that like maybe they, they're trying to keep things the same way mm-hmm. like the status quo which I, I believe that like I think there's a bunch of different factions mafias cartels that are competing like there's a Trump faction, there's a Clinton faction, mm-hmm. um, a Bush faction that they uh, mix in with each other but like they're always trying to achieve their own power and influence and that kind of stuff so um, like they may just want to keep the status quo they're happy with this court, like the way I call it it's a uh, fascistic corporatocracy, where it's like fascism in the sense where like the government at any given moment can do this, like decide all these industries are closed. They're taking control of the economy. They're uh, implementing legislation like uh, on the fly, determining what people can and cannot do. Um, and then corporatocracy in the sense that a lot of the money goes to the the corporations. The corporations lobby, and it's just it it's uh, they all are having a great time. Yeah, it's like the same big club. Um, so that's kind of how I view everything. Uh, but in terms of COVID, like I, I've been pretty sympathetic with the science that I was kind of describing to you yeah. where I'm like, this probably makes sense because it aligns with immune systems, like the health where like, uh, I think we've gone ag- against a lot of like typical, like traditional remedies, like things that you can eat, drink, and just do to your body that can actually alleviate you of a lot of symptoms and actually, uh, help, um, like treat the illnesses that you have mm-hmm. where I've looked into a lot of that where like, um. Uh, I've I've been doing uh, keto uh, habitually since like 2016. I got on it because of Joe Rogan. Yeah. And like intermittent fasting and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I heavily do that. And I've looked into a lot of studies and a lot of people that talk about it where people have been cured of their diabetes, type 2 diabetes, because of the diet that they've done and like keto specifically, or like curing of schizophrenia because of the diet that they've now taken on, which is really fascinating where it's like there's all these problems that we find and we have these solutions like uh, big pharma pharmaceuticals or like what we are told, but we've gone away from a lot of things that we've done for centuries, if not millennia yeah. that have been helpful at treating us for these things. Mm-hmm. So like, that's also another thing where like, I, I just feel like it kind of makes sense. Immune systems, health, like what really is important plus this kind of narrative, which aligns, I think a lot with it. It's just like things that poison us. We need to be aware of, try to flush them out and, and do, uh, and like find organic and, uh, healthy ways to cope with that that's just yeah that's how i think about it yeah fuck
1: yeah fuck bro (laughs) call it a wrap right here Fucking, you want to thank you honestly bro thank you for being on i actually really appreciate the talk i'd love to have you on again maybe even with some other friends just so that they could ask you questions because you have a lot of cool information you know what i mean that actually i'm really happy to post this because of me hype on it um anything you want to plug bro
0: yeah so uh instagram my my personal instagram uh eric underscore decks of cards 10. And then i have a a youtube channel uh it's titled building logos building logos but it's spelled logos um and yeah that's that's mainly it like i have a podcast that i don't really record on but like everything that i have on youtube like just check it out there
1: yeah and check out his instagram page too he's actually super fucking active you can get some really fucking good information i honestly trust this guy probably a lot more than CNN and shit like that too so hope you guys enjoyed the episode thank you for listening as always and thank you bro for being on man i appreciate it my pleasure we out